It's that time. Everything and anything basketball. Presented by The Outrage. With Cajun Thierry Castle and host Spencer Byers. This is Polar Opposites. Welcome everyone. Polar Opposites, Monday edition. We're back Monday night, Tuesday morning. Cage and I had busy days, so we weren't able to get this one done in the morning time, but it honestly works out because now we can, you know, kind of go through some things before we hit our main topics of the day, which will be a little more broad spectrum than we've done in the last couple episodes. But I think it's time to to do some uh, housekeeping around the league as we're about a quarter of the way through the NBA season. I do want to start off, though, Cage. Should mention Spencer Byers, Cajun Thiru Castle, if you didn't already know. I do want to start, though, Cage, with um, the passing away of former Toronto Raptor and Boston Celtics draft pick Eric Montross of the also former Tar Heel. He passed away at 52 years old due to a battle with cancer, something as you and I, I believe you and I have both mentioned on here before that has touched both of our both of our families. As I think it has just about everybody's family at this point in time, but our, our, our uh, sympathies go out to the Montross family. As 52 is very young for someone to go to the pearly gates, is what I'll say, Cage. No matter what age you are, like, cancer is devastating. Um, my heart goes out to his family and to those who know him, who knew him, um, his former teammates, because he was a heck of a player at North Carolina um, and actually came back to commentate to be a college commentator for the Tar Heels. So never lost track, track of its roots. Sure, not really a great NBA career, eight-year NBA career, but um, did, all the little, did all the little stuff and will forever be known as a Tar Heel legend. So thoughts and prayers go out to the Montrose family because, man, cancer, cancer is something else, man. Couldn't agree more. Now we are going to quickly move on. Because we got it, we do have some stuff we want to talk about that we'll probably go long on. So we're gonna to try to get through some stuff quick. We're gonna talk quickly about the AP polls that came out earlier today on Monday. So Purdue, as I predicted, did jump Kansas from number three to number one in the nation. So now Purdue back at number one in the nation at ten and one. Kansas stay at number two. Houston eleven and zero. They moved to three. Arizona falls from one to four with their loss to the Boilermakers. UConn stays five. Marquette stays, or Marquette moves up a spot to six. Oklahoma, undefeated Oklahoma, 10 and 0. They move from 11 to seven. Tennessee moved from 12 to eight, eight and three, Tennessee. Kentucky, with their big win against the Tar Heels, they moved to 14, from 14th to ninth at eight and two. And to round out the top 10, Baylor, who had their big loss to Michigan State, they only fall four spots to from six to 10. So that still shows that the AP polls are still giving teams credit for playing Michigan State, even though they've got five losses, even though the Spartans have really struggled this year. They're still giving a lot of credit to Izzo's men down there in East, in East Lansing, which mm. honestly they probably should because Tom Izzo is a great coach. They just they've had, had a really un- horrible stop. They've had a really horrible start. They've had a really uneven start to the year. And that also will happen when you play a bunch of the top competition. When you play a bunch of ranked teams in a row, if you're not at the races, you're going to have a lot of losses. That's just kind of a given. 
Um, other teams that moved up a lot of spots moved down quite a few spots. Uh, at 11 and 12, North Carolina dropped two spots from 9 to 11 with that Kentucky loss. Crichton moved from 8 to 12, moved down four spots. Um, Gonzaga blues five spots with their loss to UConn. They move from 10 to 15 now at 8 and 3 due to the Bulldogs. James Madison stays pat at 20 at 10 and 0. Want to mention Old Miss, the other undefeated team in the nation right now in the men's pool. 10-0, they have officially been ranked at number 25 and also being ranked for the first time this year, I believe, but if not the first time ranked in a while. Memphis, the Tigers have moved up from unranked to 23rd in the nation at 8-2. They take on Virginia. It'll be tonight when you when you listen to this on Tuesday. I plan to watch that game. That's going to be a great game between the number now number 22 Virginia Cavaliers and number 23 Memphis uh, Memphis Tigers. So that will be a great game, and it'll be really interesting to see who ends up pulling it out because the loser will probably go unranked in the next eight people when it does come out. Also, want to mention Clemson after their first loss of the year moved from 13 down to 18. That's a loss of five spots for the Clemson Tigers. And that will be the end of the roundup on at least the men's side of the AP poll. We'll mention quickly North Carolina remain at number one in the women's AP poll. And I will have to, of course, go to a different app because I forgot the score doesn't actually show me the whole AP poll. They just give me like a little rundown of it, which is rather unhelpful, Cage, when, you know, you're trying to go through the litany of teams that uh, have the opportunity to be ranked or move up and down. So I don't really know why the score does that, but regardless, they do. Now mm. I've got it in front of me. So the top, goodness, I like quickly look down. The top 10 stay the exact same. And actually, Cage, the top uh, 12 basically stay the same. Every Everybody stayed pat. South Carolina, North U, uh, UCLA, NC State, Iowa, Texas are your one through five. And nobody moves until technically 12 because Kansas State and Ohio State were tied for 12th at the last AP poll. This week, Ohio State lost two votes, or Kansas State gained two votes regardless. Ohio State is now cemented at 13, just below Kansas State at, at 12. And the first team to move up are the Hokies. Virginia Tech moved from 16 to 15. And the faller that ended up creating that gap was uh, uh, Indiana, who dropped one spot. Um, to mention the teams that were unranked previously, they're now ranked right now, are undefeated TCU, 11-0. They are at 25th in the nation. And undefeated Washington, who are 11-0, they are at 23 in the nation. So just like the men's AP poll, number 23 and number 25 this week are both teams that were not ranked previously from the last AP poll that are now ranked this week on the AP poll. And I should also mention, Cage, because of the popularity of the player, I believe is it Haley Cavender plays for TCU now? It's either Haley or Hannah. I know it's one of the two sisters because one of them doesn't play anymore. But I believe it is Haley that still plays. Without without knowing that off top of my head, I believe it's yep. Haley. It's Haley, TCU. And I knew because I knew she transferred from the Hurricanes. I just couldn't remember. I and I knew it was TCU. I just couldn't remember if it was Hannah or Haley because I knew one of them obviously, as I mentioned, had had I'll say retired from collegiate basketball. Um, we'll see if Haley ends up actually getting drafted. I would say probably not, but maybe because I, I know one of them did start it at um, Miami. I assume that was Haley. Hannah was a bench player um, coming off the bench for the Hurricanes last year. So 
maybe Haley does have some WNBA aspirations or even European aspirations when the time arises at the end of this season. But regardless, now moving on to what we are going to plan to talk about, Cage, is we're going to go through, again, the laundry list. Coaching hot seat. We're about at the we're a little over a quarter of the way through the NBA year. 82 game schedule, just like the NHL. Quick look: the Celtics have played 25 games, so a little over a quarter of the season in. Um, so just cage quick. I'll say quick, but who would you say is on the hot seat? And then I think the more important question. Who do you think gets fired first? And I'm not saying like we're. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I'm not asking you to tell me, Cage, when they're gonna get fired. I'm just saying who do you think would get fired first? But I'll start off, Cage. Who do you think is in the hot seat in the Eastern Conference? We'll start that way. Hmm. Man, that's tough. In the Eastern Conference, is I think there's probably two big ones. I think there's two big ones. Monty Williams. As much as I hate, as much as I hate saying it, Cage, I can't agree more. Like, you can't lose 24 straight games. It's now officially 24 straight losses for the Detroit Pistons, 2-25. and 25. They could go down as one of the worst teams ever, and that's not one of the worst ros- rosters ever. Yeah. Like, they just aren't. So, I'm not blaming Monty. I don't think it's Monty Williams, but something's not gelling here. In Detroit. That's obvious and that's apparent. So something's got to change. And I do not predict for you that Monty Williams is the first head coach fired, but he definitely is on the hot seat. Has to be. Because you can't lose 24 straight games and not be on the hot seat, I don't think. And then from the West. Man, the West is a little bit tougher than I thought. Um, This is a name that might surprise you. But based off of all the turmoil that's going on, Steve Kerr. I thought about it. I did. But I just don't think they're going to fire him. Like, I just, I think he's kind of like Greg Popovich. I don't think they'll fire him. I think he'll be there until he doesn't want to be there anymore. But I agree with you that performance-wise, as them right now being outside the play-in. Performance-wise and accountability-wise, because. I agree. He was one of the enablers behind Draymond. I I completely agree with you, Cage. I just don't think the I don't think the Warriors got the stones for that. I don't think the Warriors got the stones. But I guess I'll go to my choices. The other choice I think in the East Cage is Billy Donovan with the Chicago Bulls. I think Billy Donovan gets fired. I'd say he's probably he's probably the first coach to get fired. Will be Billy, will be Billy Donovan because Chicago thinks themselves a contender and they're not. But I think they expect more from the roster they've got with Levine, with DeRozan, with Vucevic, etc. Even without Lonzo Ball, mm-hmm. um, and I think they're I think Billy Donovan's probably out by the end of the year. And I expect him to get hired by another NBA team because he is a pretty he's a pretty good coach. He showed that with the young Oklahoma City Thunder before he left. I, I bet you he's wishing he didn't leave now. But um. It'll be interesting to see where he would go because I do think he is a good coach, but I'm not sure there's going to be a, a great opportunity for him to be able to go somewhere. And then in the West, I do want to mention Darvin Ham with the Los Angeles Lakers. Obviously, they're right now eighth. They're 15 and 11 right now are the Los Angeles Lakers. But 
I feel like they're always one losing streak away from firing Darvin Ham because a I don't think he's a good coach. I don't. Mm-hmm. Um, and B, I just feel like because obviously of the LeBron and AD and it being the Lakers, I just feel like Darvin Ham is always kind of on that thin ice because of the team he's coaching more than necessarily his ability. As mm-hmm. even though again I, I don't think he's very good. I just also think that the location and the expectation is very high, is very high, and sometimes unrealistically too high. Yeah. But the main name cage that I'm surprised you and I haven't mentioned yet is Taylor Jenkins with the Memphis Grizzlies. Now, I will concede they are without John Morant. So obviously they're 6 and I believe it's 18 start. No, 6 and 19 start. Is because John Morant's been away from the team for the last for the tell now, with his impending return. But if he cannot turn it around, meaning Jenkins cannot turn it around and get them at least into the play-in, he will be fired, because the Grizzlies cannot afford to not be a playoff team with Triple J, with John Morant being back in the lineup, with Desmond Bain playing a really really well right now. They can't. They can't afford to be out of the playoffs, right? So I think See, Jenkins will also be on the hot seat if they can't turn around with Jaw. Obviously, if they go on a big winning streak with Jaw Morant and everything kind of fixes itself with Jaw coming back, then I think what I'm saying now is is lunacy. But I I need to see him implement Jaw Morant properly to believe that it's going to turn itself around. Mm-hmm. See. I think it's still lunacy that you suggested it. Because you can't really control... You cannot really control the fact that John Morant was an idiot and got himself suspended for 25 games. Something you can't really control. On top of that, Marcus Smart's been out for like three to five weeks. Um, there's, And on top of that, um, people might say, oh, but the Grizzlies, Grizzlies have played better with Morant in the without Morant in the past. That might be true, but they also had Tyus Jones, who is one of the league's better floor generals. Like maybe not flashy wise, but substance wise, he's one of the better. He's one of the better floor generals in the league. And then maybe the bigger loss for the Grizzlies was was losing Dylan Brooks because they lost that grit. They lost their heart. So, and it has to be filled by guys who haven't really filled roles like that, like Santi Aldama, David Roddy, um, and on top Xavier of that, Xavier Tillman, Xavier Tillman, who hasn't really played much. And on top, and I forgot, I forgot about this. They don't really have many good bigs now, with save with the exception of Jaron Jackson Jr. But he's not really like a bruising big like that. Um, Steven Adams out for the year. Brendan Clark, he's unlikely to, 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 to return for the year. So there, there was a lot of things that Coach Taylor Jenkins had to handle with, and I don't think it would be fair if he got fired because a lot of things have been outside his control. I'm not saying it'd be fair. I just think that if Memphis cannot turn it around, because right now there are seven, there are seven and a half games out of the the play in right now are the Memphis Grizzlies. 
If they can't make up those seven and a half games and get into the play-in, I don't know if Taylor Jenkins gets to be the coach next season. I don't know. I would suspect he will, and I would suspect that everything that's gone on, as you've mentioned, Cage, with all of those things that have domino affected this Grizzly season, I just don't know if they're going to say, but you knew you weren't going to have John Morant, you knew you weren't going to have all these guys, and yet you still weren't able to make at least a half-decent effort. Like, I know how good John Morant is. Is he seven and a half games good to make up by himself? And obviously, Marcus Smart being injured doesn't help, and, and Jaron Jackson Jr. obviously always, you feel like, could have an injury because of his past, and obviously, Brandon Clark being hurt doesn't help, and all of those things are true. But the Grizzlies can't miss the playoffs, is what I'll say. They can't miss the playoffs. If they do, I don't know if Taylor Jenkins gets another year. I think especially, he does. Especially, think if, especially if Billy Donovan's out there, if Monty Williams happens to be available, there's other more veteran coaches who could be brought in if they think Taylor Jenkins isn't the guy. But, but, but here's but, the thing. Taylor Jenkins has had a lot of regular season success in the past. I don't think one bad year should be his undoing. Now, a guy like Billy Donovan... They've kind of ran. They've kind of ran that mill for years, and I don't know if he's going to be ready to spearhead a rebuild. Um, so Billy Donovan makes sense. I don't think Taylor Jenkins getting fired would make sense for me personally. I think like he gets another year because he's had like for the for the most part his tenure as as head coach of the Memphis Grizzlies has not been bad. So, I don't, I don't think he's on the hot seat. Me, but that's just me speaking. There was somebody who was on the hot seat, but Clippers have really rode a winning streak, so he's kind of off of it right now. But Tyron Lue, with you there, can't can't argue that he's been able to finally get James Harden and those boys clicking, which is uh, get his job. So. Good on Tyron Lue. Um, yep. So did you say who you think will get fired first? Because I think it'll be Bill, Billy Donovan. I think Billy Donovan's got one foot out already. Like, I think I think the Chicago Bulls and Billy Donovan are going to either separate, like mutually decide to not do this anymore, or the Bulls are just going to outright fire him. Because the, it's obvious it's not working. It's obvious the Bulls are probably going to have to sell, if not start, start a rebuild, as you mentioned, with Lonzo Ball being now chronically hurt. Levine and 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 DeRozan not working together. Vucevic's inconsistencies. But I think they found something with the Bulls right now. You might call me crazy for this, but ever since Levine has has been sidelined with the left left foot inflammation, the Bulls have been playing better. Heck, they just beat the Sixers, and the Sixers were rolling at, on the road too. Um, I think it's more so. I th- I think it's too like even though it's like the extension. I think my vote my votes for money. Because one, you could be on a historic losing season for all the wrong reasons, and two, it's not even using your young guys. 
properly because Oscar Thompson went off to a great start and then inexplicably didn't get any minutes. Jaden Ivey has been more efficient this season, but hasn't got the minutes Killian Hayes is playing over for crying out loud. He got more minutes today because Killian Hayes, I don't think, played. So it's not because of the losing streak for me, but it's the way he's handled the young guys. And Detroit being a rebuilding team, you can't afford that. I don't disagree. The Pistons, again, in a 24-game losing streak, they lost the 24th tonight in a 131-24 loss to the Atlanta Hawks. And that was because Kate Cunningham dropped 43 points, 5 rebounds, 7 assists, and had 3 steals in the loss. That's Kate Cunningham, a guy that I think the world of. I think Kate Cunningham is great. It just sucks that he plays for an awful team. Should mention here, Cage, Oscar Thompson, with only two two fouls, played 18 minutes, did Oscar Thompson. And that's J- my problem. J- uh, Jaden Ivey had 15 points, eight, re- eight, eight rebounds, and four assists, but didn't even play 30 minutes. And you are correct. Killian Hayes barely played. He played zero minutes, but I think he touched the floor because he's not uh, did not participate. So that would mean he did play, but very, very little. Sasser also fouled out, as did Ivy, might I add. So Ivy did play 29 minutes, did foul out, but still, you'd think that, you know, he should play more than 29 minutes, even with the foul out. Sasser played 21 minutes, including a foul out as well. Wiseman played 24 minutes, another one of the young guys. Marvin Bagley, who's not as young anymore, he played uh, 22 minutes, did Marvin Bagley. And that's my problem. It's not the losing streak that's irking me. It's not using your young guys properly because you got to let your young guys grow through their growing pains. Like what the Spurs are doing. Like they just had a losing streak snap, but they went on a lengthy losing streak. But they're trying new things. Jeremy Sohan being the point guard, uh, the experiment at point guard. Wemby now playing at center. Um, Guys trying different things. It's not resulting in wins, but it's resulting in growth. I'm not seeing that with Monty Williams and this Pistons roster. Okay, so basically I'll say we agree on the East having the first head coach fired. The reason why I think Monty, I think they give, I think they give Monty Williams more than one year. That's the only thing I think right now that's going to save Monty Williams is I think they'll give him more than one year. I want to, I want to say that, but it's just the handling of the young guys, like. That to me is inexcusable. Oh, I, Cage, I'm I'm on your side with that. The only thing I will say, though, in fairness, I think the same thing about Billy Donovan. I feel like he's misused certain Bulls players, like Patrick Williams, who's played all four years of his NBA career under Billy Donovan, has not developed into what they thought he could be. Patrick Williams was the original Scotty Barnes, drafted out of Florida State. As a bench guy, played sixth man minutes at Florida State as a Seminole in his only year of college, was a long six foot seven small forward power forward that can't shoot. His jumper is his problem. So if you can get that there, he's a plus defender. He's good at everything else. He just can't shoot. Mm-hmm. And Williams has still never really been able to get the offense right. He is shooting for 37% from three. He's only shooting about 44% from the field. He's averaging nine points a game. 
So his offense is still not where people want it to be. And I feel like Billy Donovan, with the way the Bulls are going, Cage, which I think you and I both can admit, they're going to be going to a rebuild. They need somebody to come in to develop Patrick Williams, develop Io DeSumo, develop even a guy like Adama Sonoga, Sonogo, former UConn national champion, who's right now in the G League for them. Like, what, sorry? Cody White as well, of course. He's still semi-young, 23 years young, drafted in 2019 he's a, he's at a UNC. And, and has he been playing well? So, you know, I think I think the Bulls, if they go for a rebuild, will fire Billy Donovan or mutually part ways again, like because he didn't want to deal with the rebuild in, in OKC. I think that will probably happen. If the Bulls do double down and try to add to Vucevic, add to Levine, add to DeRozan, then maybe he stays a little bit longer than I would think he should. Mm. But anyway, we will now move on from coaching hot seat to good performing and bad performers. So, Cage, who would you say has been the most surprising player in the NBA this year? Who would you say has been that guy where you're like, I knew he was good. I didn't know he was that good. We're doing we're going from each conference. We'll start with the East. We'll start with the East. I might be biased here, but Scotty Barnes. It's Scotty B. I might be biased because um, first year, great trajectory, exceeded expectations. But second year, kind of was like stagnated a bit. Now, third year. He's really unleashed himself, um, and he's not hesitant in shooting the ball from behind the arc. And as a result, his stats have spiked, albeit on a losing team in the Raptors, but um, he's been their only bright spot. Um, I didn't expect a leap like this. I thought maybe there might be some incremental growth. But I didn't expect a leap like this. So to me, he's my surprise. Can't really argue with that. My fantasy team is very much, uh, very much improved with Scotty Barnes being a part of the uh, the ESPN fantasy squad. Cage. Does he play three positions on ESPN? No, I believe he is just a power forward and small forward, but I'd have to check that to be a hundred percent sure. I assume on your Yahoo, he is three position. Yeah, shooting guard, small forward, power forward. And I do want to mention Scotty Barnes is basically a sixth man at Florida State. I thought I was right in saying he basically did the same thing Patrick Williams did, and he did. So Patrick Williams was the original Scotty Barnes. He just hasn't developed like Scotty Barnes has, which I I think, again, is a negative against Billy Donovan. But regardless, before I go back down that hole, I will mention Scotty Barnes averaging 20 points, 5.7 assists, and almost nine rebounds a game. Easily his career high in points per game, easily his career high in assists, and easily his career high in rebounds. So mm-hmm. he has gone up in every statistical category under head coach Darko Ryakovic, and you can't argue with results. And he is getting results from the guy that has been has been labeled untouchable by the Toronto Raptors brass. 
And you can't blame them. No, you can not. By the way, I will mention now on ESPN, he is just power forward, small forward. He is not a shooting guard on ESPN Fantasy. Now to my guy. Actually, you know what, Cage? I want you to go West first. Who would you say has been your surprise player coming out of the Western Conference right now? Surprise player coming out of the Western Conference. Oh, this is easy for me. This is easy for me. Shea Gilders Alexander. I think he was great. What? 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 No, 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 no. That's cheating. You can't pick a guy who got first team All NBA. You can't. You can't pick a guy who had MVP. Somehow votes. he got better. What's going on here, Cage? What's going on um, here? I thought that was his ceiling. I honestly thought first team All NBA was his ceiling, and with heightened attention, maybe his stats drop off with Holmgren in the mix, with Jalen Williams another year of seasoning under him. Josh Giddy still there. I thought Jay's stats were going to drop off a bit, but nah, he's reached another level. He's reached another level. Defensively, I think second in the league in steals last time I checked. Let, let me see this. Again. Season leaders and stuff. He's actually first in steals per game with 2.7, so he's doing it on both ends of the floor, and with extra defensive attention around him, and still shooting an elite percentage from the field. Like we got, we got to look through this. Thirty point seven points per game, five point seven rebounds per game, six point four assists per game, two point eight steals per game. Not turning the ball over as much and shooting 50, a career high fifty three point eight percent from the field and ninety one percent from the free throw line. Like I thought, I thought like his stats were gonna drop off a bit with. A lot of defensive attention and the fact that like he hunt, he gets to the line a lot, but he's gotten better. Well, Cage, um, I got two names for my Eastern Conference player. I got two. I'm gonna go with the second place player, and I'm gonna go for the first place player, and they're both point guards. I think I know number who one. one or- Okay, well, who I'll 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 say the first one and we'll see if he is if he you think it was him. My runner up is Tyrese Halliburton. Yep. Now now let me preface, let me preface. You and I gush about this young man. You and I have openly admitted we're fans of this young man. You and I both ranked him in our top point guards list. I think I put him like fifth, I think you put him at three. Maybe put him higher than three to be honest. I can't really remember off the top of my head, but regardless. Um, you and I both love him. I did not know Tyrese Halliburton was a twelve, a twelve assists per game guy. I didn't know that. I knew he was double digits. I didn't know he was twelve. I didn't know he was a forty three percent free three point shooter. I didn't know that. I knew he was good. I didn't know he was twenty five points a game good with twelve assists and four rebounds a game. Maybe why it's not as much of a shock with me is ironically Yahoo Fantasy because I've had Halliburton on my team for like years. So I've kind of seen firsthand how good he has been. But Cage, come on now. You thought this guy, this young man, this guy, you thought this guy was a 
40, basically 30, basically 43% three-point shooter. You thought he was a 50% field goal shooter? He was efficient in Sacramento. With way less attempts. With oh, yeah. Way less attempts. And then when he came to Indiana, he, held, he more than held his own. It was just injuries that held him back. But she hasn't dealt with this year, knock on wood. I wouldn't say it's a surprise. Like, this is something I expect. Well, okay. That's why I said he was number two. He was the runner-up. Because I knew he was good. I didn't know he was 12 assists a game good. I didn't know what his ceiling was. Maybe this is the ceiling. Mm. With maybe a couple more rebounds to his name to get above four. Maybe closer to six. I would, I would, I would agree with you in that sense that, like, he's... Exceeding expectation. Yeah, he's exceeding expectations for sure. As the as the Pacers are as well as you and I called, might I add. Yeah, yeah. You as, as we, I, I you know I, I like to pump our tires. Our tires sort of be pumped on that. Now, number one, and I'm surprised you haven't you haven't thought of this one. Maybe uh, Kyrie's Maxi. I was that that was literally the name on my mind. And I'm gonna say maybe, and I think and I think Yahoo Fantasy's kind of ruined like how much of a surprise. Maxi would be to me because I've seen uh, like I've seen him take over I've seen him take over the reins in the wake of the Ben Simmons saga um and he more than thrived underneath that so him taking another leap knowing how much of a hard worker this guy is and Embiid, quote unquote, has called him the franchise for a reason. Like he he he's that guy. That's because he's leaving. That's because he's leaving anyway. <laughs> Anywho, but he this sort of leap has been unexpected by a lot of people. I think it is a surprise, but knowing the type of player that he is and how much he's improved each and every year, it's like looking back at it, it shouldn't be. Because this man, because this man has gone, has went through the, has grown on the fly. Whether it was taking over, taking over when Ben Simmons was away from the team learning under James Harden and then taking over the reins when James Harden was um on his ish um but yeah like this sort of growth from Maxi hasn't been as surprising for me as it may be for you Kish. quite frankly because I've had him on fantasy teams and like He's already been he's already been that guy. Now I have to say this. He is a surprise because of the jump he's made. I'm not saying I'm surprised necessarily saying that I didn't think he was this good. There was a reason why he was in my top ten shooting guard rankings and he was in your top ten point guard rankings. Tyrese Maxey is a good player. Tyrese Maxey deserves to be in those lists and maybe a little bit higher now. But a jump in his points a jump in his rebounds, and a big jump in his assists are the reason why he's here. He's gotten better, and he's really moved into that co-star role of Embiid. We didn't know if he could be the 
the the one B to Joel Embiid's one A. He can be. He has proven he can be. His and again, this is again in fairness to Tyrese Maxey. In more minutes with more attempts, both his field goal and three point percentages have gone down. He was a forty eight percent shooter the last two years. He's now gone and is down to sixty forty six percent from the field. His three point percentage the last two years forty two and forty three percent. Now down to basically thirty nine percent, almost forty percent. But that again, that's on percentage. that's on more attempts. That's on way more attempts. So percentages are supposed to go down when you shoot more. He is shooting more, so his his percentages are going down. He's getting more looks. He doesn't need to be hyper efficient because he's getting more attempts, getting more of the offensive load. But his free throw percentage has gone up. His rebounds have gone up to a career high at almost four. His assists have gone up to a career high of seven point or six point seven. His steals and blocks both up to up to a career high, almost a steal per game, zero point nine. Blocks zero point six, career high, and a career high of course in points at twenty five point six. I don't even think this is the best Tyrese Maxey we're gonna see. I think he can get better. I think he can be an eight assist guy. I think he'd be as high as a twenty eight point guy, maybe twenty five though is a good level. I think he can get even better. But I think he is a surprise because I didn't know if he could be the co-star to Joel Embiid. I thought he could. I I expected he could. I didn't know it. I know it now. I know now that that the Sixers are still going to be a good team without James Harden because of Tyrese Maxey. Mm-hmm. And that is why I think he is the young man that deserves to be the surprise of the East, in my opinion. I think for East, Halliburton and Maxi are tied for like second slash third. And, and maybe, now with your, go ahead. But maybe that's, but maybe that's me. Like I would like, I know I'm biased with the Scotty Barnes thing, but like his, like I didn't ex- like it's the lack of hesitation in attacking the rim and shooting threes for me. That I did not see coming, especially with how hesitant he was last season. It's been a complete 180. And now over to the Western Conference. Without saying a first-team All-NBA player. And Look, look, look. Even though I said a first-team All-NBA player, my reasoning was pretty solid. Like, like I, I love it, Cage. I love it. My 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 surprise player is a guy who almost won the MVP last year. Hmm. Wow. The guy who's shooting, who's scoring less from from the field. He is doing better defensively though with the steal numbers. My goodness. Three point percentage is down. You know. You said he's. You said he's. Um, <laughs> his, his scoring has gone down by 0.7. And his three point percentage has gone down by 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 two points. What's your point? Saying he's a surprise is ridiculous. Okay, is ridiculous. Okay, that is that is ridiculous. It's a surprise that he's reached another stratosphere. Um. Okay, how bad do I want to? How bad do I want to go far? That's the question here, Cage. Because I got a name that you're gonna laugh, which is the best part. It's why I want to say it. Okay. I gotta make sure I check it. Actually, no, never mind. I was gonna say I'm just for the memes, just just because I could, but I've decided against it. I've decided against it. I've thought better, and I've moved off. 
Okay, what was the name? What was the name? I, I was gonna say Dylan Brooks. I was gonna say Dylan Brooks. I'll be honest. I was gonna say Dylan Brooks. Yeah, because I thought I thought it'd be funny. Honest, honestly, honestly, means aside, yeah. Um, I can easily see that. Especially because I again, I think he brings the off court stuff that you like. You mention and you're like, but how do you quantify something like that? Like like you mentioned with the grit and the the determination, the defensive acclimate that he brings. Acumen, I should say. Yeah. Um, but I just don't think with the 14 points per game, I don't think it's high enough to be able to get on a list like this. Um, I know the name I want to say, but it's a it's a caveat name. Like I'm gonna say it because he's the obvious answer, but I'm gonna say it with the caveat of with pending the next 20 games. Is what I'll say, and I think you know who I mean when I say that. But with neck with pending the next twenty games, my player is Desmond Bay. Because without John Morant, he has easily been the leader of the um, lowly Memphis Grizzlies, but still the Memphis Grizzlies. And yes, I know they still have Jaron Jackson Jr., who I am a fan of, who you are a fan of. Mm-hmm. But Desmond Bain is averaging 25 points a game. When he was drafted by the Boston Celtics and instantly traded to the Memphis Grizzlies, no one thought this young man was going to be a 25-point scorer. That was not in the cards. He is now averaging 24.9 points per game, averaging 5.2 assists per game, averaging almost five rebounds a game as a shooting guard for the Memphis Grizzlies, shooting basically 47% from the field and basically 38% from three on more attempts because of John Morant being out of the lineup, kind of like Tyrese Maxey, having more attempts, having more minutes. Mm. So I think he's probably the surprise. He's the guy where it's like, I knew he was a good piece. I didn't know he was that good. And maybe if he can keep up the basically 25 points a game when John Morant comes back, maybe Memphis can really quickly turn it around, unlike I think they will. Maybe it will work out. But I think Desmond Bain is going to be that piece that's going to dictate that. If John Morant comes in and it hurts Desmond Bain's production enough, I think they're going to stay bad. But if John Morant can come in and Bain can stay at this level, I think Memphis could easily make up that seven and a half games. I just don't know if it's going to be able to work out that way when John Morant makes his return. Mm. But I think Bain deserves a mention in in the surprise category of the Western Conference. And you mind if I say one more name? He's, he's not. Jeff Bain is my pick. But I have one more name for you, Cage. Yep. And he's one of the oldest, one of the older players in the NBA. He is an old head cage, so you can appreciate this name. Okay. okay. LeBron James. Mm-hmm. I mean, we knew he was good. Obviously. One of the greatest players ever. If you want to add that, add KD to that list too, because like the amount of the scoring that he's binge that he's been on, especially even like going through injuries, like both both he and both he and LeBron have really taken things up a notch when the norm would suggest that you gotta hang it up. 
at 38 years old, almost 39. He turns 39 on December 30th, so he's literally like a week and a half from his 39th birthday. He's averaging 25 points a game, 7.5 rebounds, 7 assists, over a steal, just under a block a game, shooting 40% from three, his highest percentage since he was in Miami, and that was his second last season in Miami. His third of four seasons in Miami was the last time he shot over 40% from three. He's at the 40% clip right now. He's shooting mm-hmm. almost 50, or he's shooting basically 54% from the field. That's his highest since his last year in Cleveland. And he's still averaging 30, basically four minutes a night. Yep. Like, he is an animal. And with his age, it's very impressive that he's still been able to keep up this clip. And I'll mention Kevin Durant in that ilk of guys that are older. Obviously, KD is, or or, 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 LeBron is older than KD. Still, it is very impressive that these older guys are still keeping up with guys like Luka, like Giannis, like your boy Shea, and etc. Now, we got to go the other way, Cage. I know we don't like to talk about negatives on this show, but when you talk about a good thing, sometimes you got to talk about a bad thing. So who would you say has been the most disappointing player from the East? so far this year well before we get to disappointments there's a couple of names in the west that i think are could potentially be big surprises um dante exum coming back into the league um when he was in utah he was very injured prone and didn't have much of a jump shot wasn't efficient completely he's completely completely turned it around with the Mavs and has been a great success story. One that kind of caught me off guard because it was like, wow, you came back to the league and you're thriving and you're shooting efficiently. Um, Granted, it's still been early, but I'm excited to see what he can do with that Mavericks team on that Mavericks squad, because he's really been one of the more pleasant surprises thus far. And then the other name that I had in my mind so I try to rack up my brain here. Chet Holmgren. Chet Holmgren, coming off of a Liz Frank injury, you knew he was gonna. You knew like you get a you got a year of seasoning underneath you. Um, so that's the advantage that he sort of had. But to be this dominant defensively in your rookie year, that to me that to me is shocking. Because he takes over a game on both ends of the floor, especially on the defensive end. And that's something that I thought would have happened within a couple of years, but not in his first year. So that to me, those to me are two big surprises, like early early on in this year as well. I I will quickly mention here, I've been on the Chet Chet Holmgren bandwagon since he was at Gonzaga. Like to the point, Cage, where when I talked about on a local television show I do here back back at home on Rogers TV, Gray County, um, yep. I said I think Chet Holmgren is going to win the Rookie of the Year when before he got hurt or that he's going to be a great player even with the injury and missing the year. And one of the guys just went, nah, he's going to suck, you know, whatever. And he literally told me um, last week at, the, uh, at, uh, at hockey – he was like, and I didn't play. I was hosting the attack game, I should say. But anyway, um, which is always y'all hockey, if you didn't know. 
Um, anyway, so uh, he said, Spencer, I, I have to apologize for that Ch- Chet Holmgren thing. Like, you, you were right. I was like, I know. Like, I, I knew he was going to be great. I was just waiting for my time for him to be great. Like, I had no doubt. Never but, in doubt. But anyway, I was honestly almost going to mention Victor Wembanyama, but but I'm not caged in putting him top ten power forwards before he ever plays a game. I'm not I'm not that guy. I'm not the guy picking Shea Gilchrist Alexander as my surprise Western Conference player when he's been a first team All NBA player. I'm not that guy. I'm I'm not that guy, pal. I'm not that guy. But it's okay. Cage, I didn't think he'd be because you're that guy. It's okay, Cage, because you're I, that hold guy. On, hold on, hold on. I did not think he would be better than what he was last season. All I have to say is, Cage, I'm not that guy. I'm not that guy, pal. I'm not that guy. Anyway, Cage, who would you say has been your most disappointing player in the Western Conference or in the Eastern Conference, pardon me, so far this year? I'm biased here, but I got to say Pascal Siakam. Wow, both your Eastern Conference player picks are from the Toronto Raptors. Huh, well, weird, eh? Well, disapp- well, disappointments, too. Let's be real. You would think he would have taken, taken a leap with Fred Van Vliet out of the picture. Instead, instead, he's regressed. He's regressed and has kind of been a background actor at times. And it's kind of discouraging to see because there's games in which he'll completely dominate and there's games it's like, where the hell have you been? So it's like, what are we doing here? Like, help. Like, um, he's regressing, he's, he's regressed shooting-wise. Um, and he's sort of been, he's kind of been the dreaded word predictable. And I'm not so sure if he'll pay it. Like he should pick it up. He should. He shouldn't be as bad as he is right now. But it's very concerning to see. Now, maybe another player, another player aside from it being a Raptor. Um, Cade, Cade Cunningham. How dare you? I, I, I would like an explanation, sir. Um, I know he's come back. I know he's come back from an injury marred season last year. But during this losing, during this losing streak, um, there's been games where he hasn't like taken that leap, he that he hasn't taken over, that he hasn't that he hasn't taken over, and it's kind of like struggled, outrightly struggled. Like I think today was, I think, well, last night was one of those games in which he actually had it going. But I see, but that's few and far in between for Kate Cunningham and I. And, and I don't know. To me, I expected more. Up in points per game, up in assists per game, field goal percentage and three percent, three point percentage both up from last year and his rookie season. So he's at career highs in points per game, 
field goal percentage, three-point percentage, and assists per game. So, Cajun, you are, in fact, lost. Anyway, to my player that has been the most disappointing Eastern Conference player. Now, again, almost went for it, a joke player, but I didn't. I was going to say Jimmy Butler because you and I both know I don't like Jimmy Butler. But but he's at a boat where he normally is, which is garbage, but he's, normally, he's basically where he normally is in the regular season. So I got a different player, Cage. Now, this one you're either going to love or you're going to hate. Okay. And I don't know which one it's going to be. Okay. I expected more from Damian Lillard. Damian Lillard's been very disappointing, in my opinion, for the, the Milwaukee Bucks. In his first year in Milwaukee, his point uh, points per game was at basically tw- at 25 points, so basically 26, which is low for him as a guy who's averaged upwards of 30 points a game. His assists are right around where they're supposed to be at seven. His rebounds are right where they're supposed to be. But the percentages, field goal and three-point, are where I think it's worrying. He's shooting 43% from the field and 36% from three. And when you look at his basketball reference page, Cage, that's about where it's supposed to be. So that's about between the 40% and the 46% from the field where he where he's been, right? That's about his range, if you will. Yeah. The problem is, is in the years previous, he's been shooting 20 shots a game. He's been shooting 10 threes a game. He he's at his lowest three point per three point shots. Since 2018 19. Mm-hmm. And he's at his lowest field goal attempts since his third year in the league back in 2014 15. And his percentages are still low. Normally, as we've talked about, when you shoot more, you're going to miss more, obviously. And when you shoot less, you should make more because your shots are more optimal, right? That's kind of the logic there. If he's shooting less and still not making better shots and obviously he's still shooting a ton so i know it's still about like for like but regardless if he's still shooting less than he's been and not shooting better than he's been i think that's a problem and i think the points per game even playing with Giannis, i still think it should be higher because it's only fighting with Giannis for points per game it's not like he's fighting with a third guy in fairness to chris middleton who I know is the third wheel of those three guys. And you and mm-hmm. I both like Chris Middleton. But I expected more from Damian Lillard. I did. I think Damian Lillard, I expected more. Okay, I'm going to disagree with you on this, and I'm going to explain why. Damian Lillard's been the top dog in Portland for so long. So to go from being the top dog on a team for years to be on one team and to be the unquestioned number one option to having to adjust to playing with Giannis, a guy, a player who doesn't, who isn't known for his jump shooting prowess. I don't think he's a disappointment because it's an adjustment process for him. I think it's early. I think it's too early to say he's a disappointment because it's an adjustment that he's had to make from being the unquestioned top guy to being that number two option and being the go-to guy in the clutch with Giannis because he hasn't been used to that role. And he's going through some growing pains. So like, now if this was 
if he was in a year, he was in that buck system for a year and he was struggling like this, I can see your point. But I think the change of scenery has been an adjustment for him and it's going to be a work in progress. And maybe or maybe not, you might see the fruits of the, the that labor come postseason time. But I think it's too early to call him a disappointment right now. Well, okay. I'll give you a second name, then we'll move on. Uh, Zach Levine. His field goal percentage is down, three-point percentage is down, and points per game is down. As a scorer, all those things are negative. Even with now the foot injury, he'll be out. He has been a disappointment for Chicago, and I think he's kind of embodied why the Chicago Bulls are 11-17 right now. Mm -hmm. Am I getting any pushback from Zach Levine? Nope. Nope. I think you hit, hit it right on the head with that. Oh, how did we oh. not forget? How did we not forget about this name, Jordan Poole? But, but did we really expect him to be that good? Like I, I expected him to be better, but not like I, I didn't, didn't think he was going to be an all star. I didn't expect him to be this bad. To tell you the truth, I didn't expect him to be this bad and to be like have those mental mistakes on full display bad oh. what happened we're not we're not behind steph curry clay thompson and and our your favorite player Draymond green i mean favorite <laughs> that's like saying carl anthony towns is your favorite player of all time hey you, you leave you 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 don't wish that upon me sir i will i will come through this i will i will as as, you, as soldier boy once said i will come through that phone and yeah i will be kissing you You'll be trying to choke me through the way. I'll give you a knuckle sandwich to kiss, there, Kate. I'll give you a knuckle sandwich. You'll anyway. try to you'll try to choke me choke me through the screen. I get it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You're gonna get guillotined and you're going to sleep. That's okay. Get from mentioning anyway. Draymond Green though. It's not you my did fault. This. Okay, it's not you my did. fault. I will I will quickly mention as I mentioned Draymond Green, he will now be allegedly out for the next three weeks due to a suspension, and um he has apparently started counseling. So that is the timeline for Draymond Green. He'll be back, it looks like, by probably the end of January. Maybe mid-end of January is what it seems like he'll be back. But anyway, who would you say has been your disappointment in the Western Conference, Cage? Mm. Other than John Moran. Other than John Morant, other than Demetrius Jamel Morant, I hate, I hate you sometimes. <laughs> just sometimes. Sometimes or all the time? Just, just, just sometimes. It's just, it's just sometimes. When it's sometimes, it's all the time. <laughs> anyway, who would you say is your biggest disappointment as a player in the Western Conference? Andrew Wiggins. It's been Andrew Wiggins, the Canadian himself, Canadian Canadian violence here, Cage. He's been he he's been bad. I don't know how I don't know how to explain it. He's his percentages have gone down in just about every single category, and he's become passive, like Ben Simmons type passive, to the point where he had to he's coming off the bench now. Yeah, Cage. I'll be honest here. I knew Wiggins wasn't having a good year. I didn't know he was 12 points a game bad. Like, that's bad, dog. That's yeah. bad. That's his lowest points per game, Cage, 
since uh, actually no, I won't even say since. That's his lowest points per game of his career. Of his career. My goodness. What's going on with Andrew Wiggins? I don't know. I don't know. And I think and, and maybe it's just and maybe he's still dealing with the after effects of of that of that personal absence that he's gone through, but hopefully he turns it around. But right now he's been a major disappointment. See, I'll be honest, Cage. Mine's basically the same idea, just different guy. Same kind of principle. Mine's Aaron Gordon. Points per game's gone down. Field goal percentage has gone down. Three-point percentage has gone exponentially down. His three-point percentage is his worst ever at basically 22%. That's horrible for a guy who's been shooting basically 30 to 35% the last, you know, ever. 22% mm-hmm. is garbage. His field goal percentage is is his lowest in Denver. In the three years he's been in Denver, technically four if you include the three and a half with the trade, but still his lowest. His uh, point, his um, points per game is his lowest as a Nugget. And excluding the year he was traded to the Nuggets, where obviously there's, a, as you mentioned, adjustment period, it's his lowest points per game since his third year in the league. Like, Aaron Gordon, another one of those guys that's really struggled this year with especially that jumper. And again... As a guy who is a as a is a spot up shooter for the Denver Nuggets, twenty two percent from three is woeful. Like that is like Ben Simmons woeful. Like you can't shoot that and be an effective player on the floor in today's NBA. Mm-hmm. And we we've been bullying Ben Simmons tonight, man. I don't know why Ben Simmons has been catching all these strays, but Ben Simmons has been catching strays. Amen. Still no attempted threes, though, or at least no made threes by the chronically injured Ben Simmons. And no, there are no no attempted threes either. So sadly, we've mm. not been able to see that Ben Simmons jumper in effect just yet. Yeah, don't don't uh, don't expect it to happen anytime soon, too. Um, see, I think Aaron Gordon's game with the Nuggets has always been that connector role. Now, granted, he is shooting bad from the field. But I don't think offensively, like, that was his strong suit in the first place. So maybe, like, he's not as big of a disappointment. And plus, he's he is a champion. So I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. Okay, I'm sorry, okay? That was last year. This is this year. Last year, we shooting 35% from three, and he was good. He's now shooting 22%. That is garbage, okay? I'm not giving a guy credit for what he did last year. He got credit last year for what he did last year. He's no, getting but, credit for this year, which means see, he's playing like see, garbage. See, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Aaron Gordon here's was the here, skip. You know, here. See, here's the, here's skip. the thing, Skip. So, so, so skip, the, skip, skip through if any castle him. Here's the thing, Agent Bayless. Uh, never call me that ever again. Never call me that ever again. <laughs> uh, uh, you, you, you made me. 
I was this close to cussing out. He cussed okay. me well. Look, it's okay, Cajun. One of these days, one of these days, I'm gonna call you Cajun. I'm gonna call you Cajun Bayless. Start an episode. And we'll see how. We'll see how. We'll see how kind of vitriol I get. <laughs> oh man, you'd rather just. I'd just rather you call me Drip Theory with any castle. But hey, Drip, Drip, who? Drip, 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 who? Drip, come on now. Drip, Theory, with any not a chance. Not a chance, Keith. Not a chance. You'll get you'll get Cajun Bayless before you'll ever get Drip whatever. Drip 17 characters long. I wouldn't I wouldn't mind if you call me Cajun Sharp, but damn. Well, well with with your takes, I mean you're turning into Skip Bayless anyway. Continue with your with your deceit about whoever you're talking about. I think it's Aaron Gordon's garbage Aaron performance Gordon this year. Really known as an offense only offense first guy. So Sure, his uh, his struggles from the field, especially from three point, and have hurt Denver spacing. But to me, that was never really his type of game. So, to me, I don't really see him as much of a disappointment. Like, it is a little disappoint, like as as the biggest disappointment. It is a little disappointing that his shooting percentages have dropped and is discouraging. Um, but it's not Andrew Wiggins type disappointing for me to the point where he literally got benched. Because let's be real, Aaron Gordon. Go ahead. Aaron, like Aaron Gordon, isn't that Andrew Wiggins level type disappointing? And maybe that's how I'm seeing this. Well, okay, Cage, I have a new name that has not taken over Aaron Gordon's spot, but another name I want to chew through before before we go, Jalen Green. Are the Houston Rockets. He's averaging mm-hmm. 17 points a game, just over his rookie year, five points less than he averaged last year. His assists are down from last year. His rebounds are up, but as a shooting guard, that doesn't really matter. Mm-hmm. Um, his field goal percentage is down. His three-point percentage is down. Three-point percentage worse than his career. Field goal percentage worse than his career. That's not the trajectory you want from a for- former second overall pick. Like, that's not what you want from a guy like Jalen Green. Mm-hmm. So even though I like Ime Yudoka, with excluding the off-the-court issue in Boston, he is a good coach. He's shown that now in two different locations so far. Um, we'll see if he can keep it going this year in his second year as a head coach. But I, I think Shingun improving has come at the expense of Jalen Green. That's That's what I take away from that. I guess, Some, but still, somebody like, was going to drop off with somebody else improving. And Houston's at that stage in which they've brought in more veterans, and counting stats wise, that's going to cost Jalen Green. I agree, he has been disappointing, but the way the the Houston Rockets went about their off season. It isn't as surprising in a negative way. I see where you're going. Yeah. But still, you'd still want to see some, even, I guess I'll put it this way. Even if the points per game went down, if the percentages went up, Mm. then you'd say, okay, that's a better year. But if the percentages are going down and he's scoring less, that's very worrying. For a third-year guard who was second round, second overall pick, 
is thought, seen as a, as a well, franchise see, guy in Houston. Well, see, I believe he played for the Ignite for a year. He did. He went to the G League Ignite team. It's about it's about um building good habits. Because first two years he's he played a different sort of style that wasn't conducive to winning. Now he's got to adjust with playing a winning brand of basketball. Now with Hidoka, Fred VanVleet, and Dylan Brooks, Jeff Green, all those veterans in that Rockets on that Rockets team. So it's going like I think it's a I think it's kind of similar to Damian Lillard in the sense that like, it's an adjustment process for him. Um. And I think once he figures it out, he will it, like you will know he he figures it out. But I think it's sort of similar to what is going on with Damian Lillard in that sense. But maybe well, that's just hopefully you're right because again, don't want to see a young guy like that who's got a lot of potential not be able to to reach it, but. You you get worried after, you know, three or four years in the league. Like, is this what he is? And if this is what he is, is he a, a, a quote-unquote franchise player? Maybe, maybe not in the end. Um, I'm going to – Go ahead. Before, before we move on, I want to mention one more name. I'm kind of shocked we haven't mentioned him yet. I'm shocked we haven't mentioned him yet. Um, now, granted, his stat like his stat line has dropped off a little bit. Like it's not as bad as I thought it was going to be. But as I go through this. Zion Williamson. I just think injuries have really derailed his hype and his expectation. Like him being on the floor is an improvement. Like that's where Zion Williamson is right now, Cage. It's he him being on the floor is an improvement. So he can do whatever he wants after that. As long as he's on the floor and playing, it's a plus. Mm. Even though I would agree that he's not what people hoped he'd be, but he's still, you know, kind of what he is. He's a really big guy who's gonna score in the paint. Can't really shoot threes. Is a is a is a is a runner in you know all aspects, but he kind of just is what he is. And I think the injuries have really zapped him of the chance to become a better three point shooter, become a better defender. And all the things he doesn't, he kind of lacks with his size. So I'm not sure he counts as a disappointment because him being on the floor is kind of an, the the shock, the surprise of him. And there's also been the talk of like his build too. Yeah, which I think he's shown is not really conducive to a healthy NBA career. Hopefully he can you know, show us that I'm wrong, but he is kind of giving us all the warning signs, Cage, of that he's not going to be able to play in the NBA for an extended period of time at his weight with his height. 
And that to me is disappointing. Very. With the potential he had it at Duke. Yeah. Um, I do want to mention the games that happened on Monday night before we go. Um, yeah. guy that I want to mention as a player that's been a ple- I'll say a pleasant surprise, but it's because of the minutes, it's because of everything else and getting away from Tom Thibodeau, Cajun's favorite head coach, other than maybe Mike Budenholzer. Um, and Obi Toppin. Obi Toppin, career high in points per game, shooting 60% from the field back at what he used to shoot at Dayton. Also career high in three-point percentage. So big ups to my guy, Obi Toppin. Mm-hmm. As the Pacers did get blown out, though, by the eighth win in a row, Los Angeles Clippers, 151-127. Um, Cleveland beat the Rockets at overtime, 135 130. Fred Van Vliet had a great night. 27 points, 8 rebounds, and 17 assists for the former Raptor in the loss. But the Cavs were able to still, as I mentioned, pick it off. They had quick count cage. That 8 guys in double digits? That's, it's going to be hard to beat a team when 8 guys got double digits. They're for the Rockets. Um, as you mentioned, what? Oh, this is going to piss you off so, so much. And it's going to bring me so much joy to see you pissed off at, at the name Boy. I am Boy. about to mention. In terms of kind of being a pleasant surprise, given that he came back, like, given that he had an injury marred year Boy. last season. But Carl Anthony Towns. Okay, and that's a joke. Like, but he's not. He's a, he is who he is. He is who he is. Like, he's not better. He is who he is. Like, what, I mean, what's going on here? Like, I mean, he's a big part of that Minnesota team that succeeded expectations. So we can't just ignore that. It, no, the reason why they're as good as they are is because of the guy named Anthony Edwards. Oh, we know about Anthony Edwards. We know about we we I know hope about, so. we know about Anthony Edwards. That man is a stud. He's a star. We've no we've known Rudy Gobert is an all world defensive force that's gone back to what he has been. But Carl Anthony Towns kind of like getting back into the picture and kind of holding his own. And not being run off the floor, and this court is sort of twin tower lineup kind of thriving in Minnesota now. You can't really ignore that for a team that's twenty and five. Uh, but they're not undefeated at home like the other twenty five, twenty and five team in the Boston Celtics. So that's all I got to say. But Carl Anthony Towns being a bum, B U M <laughs> bum. Anyway, the, as you mentioned earlier, the Bulls did beat the Philadelphia 76ers, one hundred eight, one hundred four. Cody White had twenty four points, nine rebounds, and or nine assists and eight rebounds, who beat a 40-point effort from Joel Embiid. The Timberwolves, as you mentioned, beat the Miami Heat 112-108. When down, when Anthony Edwards had down, 32 points. Came back from down 17. We'll mention Jimmy Butler. The fraud he is had 15 points in the loss. You know, all I got to say. Raptors did beat the Charlotte Hornets, 114-99. Of course, that's still Charlotte without their main guy, LaMelo Ball. They were also 
they also, lost, they also lost to them in Charlotte with LML Ball, so that doesn't really mean much. But I will also mention, Cage, that uh, Miles Bridges didn't get to play because he didn't get a passport. So we talked about it quite a few times on this show, and I, I plan to wrap this up soon if you're still listening to this. Thank you. Um, Appreciate y'all. Uh, Miles Bridges, who has been in the media for domestic violence, for assaults, for stuff like that, mm-hmm. he was denied entry into the country of Canada to play the Raptors because of his arrest and because of his probation, which technically is legal and could happen the other way if, say, he signed for Toronto and they didn't want to allow him into the U.S., which I think has happened before in hockey, where guys have been charged with certain charges that cannot cross the border. Mm-hmm. So I'll say it was surprising, but I got I got to say, Cage, just the simple comment of when you – I was going to say wins, play stupid games, win stupid prizes, but also just like actions have consequences. Mm-hmm. Like, it's nice to—I'll say nice to see, but it, it's kind of interesting to see finally, you know, McHale Bridges doesn't get to play basketball, you know, after basically being Miles just Bridges. welcomed back by the Charlotte Hornets, which we've, we've shared our opinion on that. Miles Bridges, pardon me. But we've yeah, talked about Miles Bridges Mikhail being really welcomed back. Here, damn. What? Mikhail really catching strays here, damn. Like, Miles and Mikhail, come on now. Come on now. Like— like, they're basically the same name at that point. But anyway, Miles Bridges. Like, you can't... When your actions have consequences, you can't just complain, like, why is this happening to me? Like, mm-hmm. the Hornets should have known this was coming. Because, like, you not like you don't apply for the visa well before you'd think. Because they tried to appeal it, and obviously the appeal didn't go through as they didn't play tonight in Toronto. But the Raptors did beat the Hornets without Bridges and without LaMelo Ball. And they sweated it out for three quarters, and they finally woke up in the fourth. I know you were there, weren't you, Cage? Yep, and I was trolling every Raptors fan there, yelling out Hornets money line. Of course you were. Of course you were. By the way, Scotty Barnes, your surprise player in the East, had 22 points, 17 rebounds, and seven assists in the win. And three blocks. The ATL Hawks, as I mentioned earlier, beat the Detroit Pistons 131-24. Kate Cunningham's 43-point effort went for naught as the Pistons now have 24 losses, two away from the single-season record, three away from breaking the single-season record with 27. We'll see if they mm-hmm. end up breaking it. I will mention quickly that you said, actually, Kate, you thought the Hawks could be the Pistons' one win. They now have the Jazz, which I thought could be their win. They go away. They they host the Utah Jazz and then have a home home against Brooklyn. You think they lose both against Brooklyn and then after they hit and tw- if they hit 27 and lose to the Jazz and the Nets twice, 28 is a guarantee because they go at Boston at the Garden against the Celtics. The Celtics are undefeated at home at 14 and 0, so that's a no doubter right there. So they gotta beat the Jazz or the Pistons could continue. The losing streak and have, really push why do it. I have a, why do I have a feeling that if it gets to 27, some funny issue is going to happen at the Garden? Because you're a pessimist and a hater and you're a Raptors fan and your opinion doesn't count on this podcast anymore. Okay, Cajun, you're done. You're done. Okay, your mic's been cut off. The show is <laughs> over. You're done. You can go home now. We can we can close the curtain, cut cut the reel, you know, cut cut off the uh, 
cut off the vinyl, you know, stop putting hey, it man, together. I, okay, it's done. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just yeah. saying Vegas it's over. Might, might be circling that one. It's over, ladies and gentlemen. It's over. Because everybody, uh, every, uh, every, everybody over there is going to circle, is going to hammer that spread for the Celtics for for the right reasons, undefeated at home and whatnot. But see, that's the problem with Vegas bookies. I think there's a, I think there could be a potential conspiracy behind it. I'm not trying to bash the Celtics here, not this. Yeah, not this. Do it. Yeah, you're actually doing it right now. I'm not trying. I'm not trying to do this thing that I'm actively doing. Well, of course not, Gage. Of course not. Yeah, of course not, Gage. Of course. Why would you be doing that thing you're actively doing? No, of course not. Of course not. No, no. I'm not robbing you with a gun. No, no, no. Okay. Just give me your wallet. All right. All right. In all seriousness, Utah's the big one. Utah's the big one. Utah is the is the big one. Um, but I don't think they're gonna beat Utah because Utah's been better as of late. They just beat Brooklyn. And Markkinen's back. It remains to actually be seen. Like, is he, he is hasn't been actually... traded? He's openly said he wants to stay in in Utah. So we'll see if he does stay in Utah or if Utah just tried to sell high. But I think John Collins is on the trading block, though. I think half that team's on the trading block. Fair enough. I think Colin Sexton's also been on, been on the trading block. But but anyway, um, we'll continue through the litany of games that happened Monday. Uh, the the Thunder beat the Grizzlies one sixteen ninety seven. The Nuggets beat the Dallas Mavericks one thirty one oh four. To mention that one thirty only had eight points from Nikola Jokic. He had also nine rebounds and seven assists in the win. He also only played twenty seven minutes. Uh, the contributors off the bench: Reggie Jackson had twenty points. Strother had 12. This guy named Peyton Watson had 10. Now I'm going to use the who? But anyway. Peyton Watson? Peyton Watson for the Denver Nuggets. Don't know who that is. That never heard of him. Anyway, no offense to you, Peyton, if you're listening to this out there. But I didn't. I didn't know what your game. I didn't know what your game. That's all. I like, that's all I, I said. Wasn't familiar with your game. Yeah, I wasn't that's familiar good. with the game, brother. I wasn't. I wasn't familiar. Fair now I now I now I am kinda. The uh, Utah Jazz, as you no, mentioned, not. beat the Brooklyn Nets 125-108. Taylor Horton Tucker had 27. Colin Sexton leading, had 27 too. Leading the way there for Utah. The game leader though was Cam Thomas, who continues to just score at a ridiculous rate. He had 32 points in the loss. Going on to the last two games of the night, the Sacramento Kings beat the Washington Wizards. No surprise. 143-131. DeMontis Sabonis had 28 points, 13 rebounds, and 12 assists in the win for the Light the Beam Brigade. Mm -hmm. My boy Keegan Murray, who dropped 40 in his last game, 47 to be exact, dropped 25 in the win over the Wizards. And the last game, the Los Angeles Lakers lose to Cajun's second-favorite player, Julius Randle, in the New York Knicks. 114-109 win for the Knicks. Julius Randle drops a 27-14 and in the win. Uh, Jalen Brunson dropped 29. Emmanuel quickly dropped 20 off the bench 
for the Knickerbockers. And Isaiah Hartenstein with 17 rebounds off the bench. Nine points. He also played played 38 minutes. So, like, he basically played the whole game as Jericho's Sims started, only played three minutes and left with an ankle sprain. So that would be why Hartenstein played 38 minutes after not starting the game. The Lakers' leading point getter was Anthony Data Davis with 32 points and 14 rebounds. LeBron James triple double at 25, 11, and 11. I shall also mention Austin Reeves had 20 points and seven assists off the bench for well, the pray, former I Oklahoma. Him. I just traded for him in fantasy, so good ish, Austin. Uh, out of boy, Cage. Out of boy. In your nine fantasy league, you finally found the one white guy you can play. Fair enough. I mean, don't, I'm marketing too, and it's a bonus, so there's that. Oh my god, you're half your team's white cage. Uh, yeah, pretty much. Well, good to know you're finding all the good white talent. Yeah, Holmgren, Hero. Do you just me all the white players you know now? No, literally, they, those are guys out on my fantasy team. Heroes on and two the, of them. One, one, yeah, one of the nine, anyway. One of Anything the else nine. you want to talk about, Cage, before we go? Oh, surprises and disappointment in pointing teams. We can quickly go through that. Oh, quickly, yeah, we can go through that. I, I forgot to mention that. Uh, best team in basketball, the Boston Celtics, obviously. Best, best surprise. Um, Orlando Magic, obviously for me, 16-9. and nine. Are they Orlando Magic right now? They're fourth in the I think I East. We'll see if you. they can keep it up. I got to agree with you with the Magic. Um, with the Magic in the East. My surprise team coming out of the West is obviously the Timberwolves. I just explained it. Um. Didn't think they'd take a leap like this, being 20-5 and five on the year. And I do want to look at this. They are tops in the West. A full three games ahead of the Oklahoma City Thunder, who you can argue is also a surprise team, given that they're second in the West, too. Minnesota and OKC, I don't think anybody penciled those two teams as one and two in the West. So... To me, Minnesota's the biggest surprise coming out of the West, but OKC is not that far behind. Um, and it's their young guys: Shea Gilgis Alexander, Chet Holmgren, Anthony Edwards on the Timberwolves. They really stepped out and showed out, stepped up and showed out. Um, and it's going to be very interesting to see you see these see this playoff picture in the West if both those teams continue to play well like they have been. Cage, I think on Thursday we're going to go through our preseason conferences and just see where we put teams and where they are right now um, just to kind of compare and contrast where we thought they'd be preseason to where they are now. We'll do that on Thursday, but um, I say Orlando for the East and for the West. It will not be those disgusting, no good, rotten Timberwolves that have no right to be number one in the Western Conference and number two in the league because they're not undefeated at all, unlike the best team in basketball. They're 11 and one, but okay. Uh, exactly. And one, Cajun. And one. 14 and 0. 14 and 0. 14 and no losses. Okay. Yeah, all they're also one, at the Garden in Boston. Minnesota is 1 and 0 head to head against them and gave Boston their first loss of the season. But uh, well, at least they're not 1 and 11 like the Memphis Grizzlies at home. But anyway, that's all I have to say about that. <laughs> I'm, or I'm more just, one in twelve like the Pistons, but again, I'm just, I'm just saying your Celtics lost to the grid to the to the Minnesota Timberwolves led by the great Carl Anthony Towns. No, I'm just kidding. He did not do anything in that game. He actually fouled out, and that's why Minnesota won. 
Exactly. So you know what? I don't want to hear that from you, Cajun. You know, <laughs> all the things you're saying right now, all the, all, all the, all the, as you would say, ish you're talking, I don't want to hear right now. Okay. You've been blocked. Okay. You're again, your mic's been cut off. I don't know why you keep talking. You've been muted for the you last like, 15 minutes. You started this. You, you've been muted for the last 15 minutes. Okay. No one can hear you. It's only hearing me. Anyway, you'll hear that in the recording. Anyway, um, my team, I'm going to have to go to Oklahoma City. You know, Cajun surprise player in Chagalus Alexander, my boy Chet Holmgren. Playing really well in his rookie season. You also got Jalen Williams, who's taking a step forward there for the Thunder. You and I, big fans of Lou Dort, Josh Giddy, without the off the court issues, having a, a decent season on the floor. Cason Wallace has been a good draft pick for them out of Kentucky. Still, so many young guys on that team. You still Isaiah think Joe's of, been a hired gunner off the bench. Like so many young guys on that Thunder team, it's hard to pick out, you know, the good ones because they're all good, you'd think. Mm-hmm. They're kind of like the Pistons where you, you can't wait to see some of these guys get traded and, and become good players on other teams because they're getting bigger roles. But mm-hmm. I'd say the Thunder in the West are my surprise team as doing well. Um, We talked about teams that we thought were doing bad. Well, I guess we talked about the coaches we would fire that were doing on bad teams. Who would you say quickly, Cage, surprise bad team East? Surprise bad team in the East. Atlanta. Atlanta. Yeah, I, I, the, the Hawks are in 10th. I had them at 9th, so I, I can't even say that. I thought they were going to be good. Um, With another year of Trey Young and DeJounte Murray, you would think they would kind of take a step forward and not be, like, mediocre, like, alternate between winning and losing games, but they're 11 and 15 right now. And literally have a point differential of point zero zero. So it ain't looking too good for ATL. Gotta be honest with you, Cage. I, I basically predicted the Eastern Conference. So I'm just gonna say I had the Cavs. They, the Cavs are the team that I put the highest that are doing the worst. So I would say the Cavs, and with the injuries, they're probably gonna get worse. So I would say the Cavs have been the biggest disappointment for me in the East. But, but that's like have, but they've kind of had some good wins. I'll be beating the mediocre Atlanta Hawks and also beating the Rockets too. Uh, but that's, that's that's what I'm saying though, Cage. Like I, I, the East for me is basically the way I predicted it within a few spots. The Cavs are like the biggest team that I put higher that are lower. So I'm just gonna pick the Cavs because I have to. But like there really isn't a surprise for me in the East, disappointing wise. Like, I kind of put everybody in this. Like everybody in their tier is where I would put them in my rankings preseason. And on the West side, Cage, who's been the biggest disappointment? It's to me, it's between one of two teams. Oh, okay. Obviously, and I'll make sure I say cage before we before we move on to the East. Obviously, the the Detroit Pistons losing twenty four straight games that's a massive disappointment. But you mm. can never really predict a team to break a single almost break a single season record at this point. We'll see if they do break the single season record of twenty six straight losses. But anyway, Western Conference disappointment for a team. Well, to me, it's between one of two teams: the Golden State Warriors and the Memphis Grizzlies, both out of the playing picture. Obviously, Memphis being second in the West last season without John Moran for the first 25 games of the season. He is playing against the Pelicans later on today, later on tonight, um, first game back. Um, So that would be a good one to watch. Um, The first and second picks of the 2019 NBA draft going at it head-to-head. 
but Memphis has been a massive disappointment. Like, I know a lot of change in their personnel, and they really haven't, they've really been killed on the inside with no Steven Adams. And Jaron Jackson Jr. forced to be playing the five at times. We've even seen glimpses of Bismack Biombo on that team. Raptors legend. Raptors legend got that big deal out of after that big playoff run with the 2016 Raptors. Um, but I digress. But Memphis has been a dip- disappointment record wise. Just a dis. But who my biggest disappointment is all around. There's actually a team that's more disappointing than that, and it's on the court stuff as well as off the court stuff. The Golden State Warriors. You, you insert swear word here. I was gonna pick the Warriors too. I was gonna do that whole spiel, and you said, you know, I echo everything Cajun said about, but the Grizzlies. I had them hot. I had them in the playoffs. They're right now nowhere near the playoffs right now. I also had the Golden State Warriors in the playoffs. They're not even in the play-in right now. It's easily the Golden State Warriors. I will mention though. I had the I had the Pelicans outside of the playoff picture. They're right now in the or basically right in the playoffs. Right now are the Pelicans, so they're also a surprise to me. I knew it was always there. I just knew injuries also really plagued them. They've been sort of healthy this year, the Pelicans, and that's why they are finally kind of reaching that playoff play-in potential. I don't, think was, I don't think they've been sort of healthy. They've finally been healthy for the first time in a while because McCollum's been out, was out with like a lung issue. That's what I mean, though. Like they've they're getting healthy. They've been sort of healthy with like Ingram not getting hurt and Zion being healthy finally, and you know, Valanciunas or as Charles Barkley would say, Valanciunas is finally Vassal Inoasas. Exactly. Finally, you know, finally being a team. But it's got to be Golden State, man. It's got to be Golden State. Mm. You can't be outside the plane with Steph Curry. You can't be outside the plane with Steph Curry. And and CP3 now. Like, come on. What a joke. It is. So Steve Kerr, figure it out, pal. Figure it out. Anything else, Cage, before we go? Nah, we literally went through what we had to go through. We did literally go through what we had to go through. So stay tuned. Thursday, regularly scheduled programming here of the Polar Opposites variety. So for Cajun Theory with Danny Castle, I'm Spencer Byers. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you made it all the way to the end of this rather long episode, but I, I had fun. You had fun, Cage? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had fun, I had fun trolling you with a couple of names. Well, that's because you're the worst. Anyway, so for Cajun Theory, Danny Castle, I'm you, did troll, you, did, you, you did, before we get into that, you did troll me with Draymond Green. Well, it's not my fault that Cage is your favorite player. It's not my fault. Your second favorite player is Julius Randle. You just love power forwards, Cage, because you're the I, size of one. You just love and, power forwards. And if we go on that ride, it's not my fault. Carl Anthony Towns is your favorite player of all time. I did, but... But he ain't, though. That's, like, unequivocally not true. We know how much you love Julius Randle. We know how much you love Tom Thibodeau. You know, you love the Knicks. You know, that's all I can say. You love, you love the Knicks. You're your Raptors fan, close second, the New York Knicks. Anyway. Close second, the New York Knicks. The only guy I really like on that team, two, actually, Jalen Brunson and R.J. Barrett. Everybody else can quickly. kick rocks. You like quickly. Quickly, quickly, fair enough. Everybody else can kick rocks. Hey, you love Julius Randle. Stop lying. Actually, you love actually, their coach. Actually, no, 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 no. Let me add another player to that, and I think this is a new favorite player for for the both of us. In all seriousness, after the selfless uh, the act of kindness that oh, he has, Mitch Robinson. Yeah, of course, of course, Mitch Robinson. Of course, of course. You just well, he, and I, I love Quinny Grimes, Quentin Grimes from former Houston uh, Cougar. But you know, I just know you love Julius Randle and your boy Tom Thibodeau. Anyway.
For Cajun Theru, Thanny Castle, I'm Spencer Byersick. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Polar Opposites here on the Outrage Inc.